It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at clipit.tv or check them on Twitter at clipit.tv. You're listening to BGN Radio. Nine seconds left. Eagles by eight. Brady lines them up. He's back again. He steps up. He's hit. He stumbles. He is throwing it deep for the end zone, and it is batted around and incomplete. And the game is over. The game is over. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. Eagles fans everywhere, this is for you. Let the celebration begin. There's going to be a parade on Broad Street. Hey, man, if this is a dream, don't wake me up. You are flying high on the Kissed and Solak Show, your home for the best Eagles analysis in the game. This is BGN Radio, episode 301. I am your host, Michael Kist. You can follow my X and O work for Inside the Pylon. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. As always, I am joined by the best doggone co-host in the business, Mr. Seven-Year Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak of Bleeding Green Nation and NDT Scouting. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, I'm loving our new home. How you doing, brother? Mike, I am doing exceptionally well. I'm so excited to be here. BGN Radio, just what a fantastic opportunity. Obviously, we start out just with a huge shout out. John Barshar, Brandon Lee Gowen, uh, you know, all the guys who are part of BGN Radio who helped bring us on. We're so excited to be adding a new dimension here to the coverage. Audio coverage of teams does not get much better from BGN Radio to start with. Now that we're here, we're involved in the process. We hope to really take it to another level. So, dude, I couldn't be further over the moon. One of the main reasons being, I don't know if you heard, Mike, Eagles won the Super a week ago mm-hmm. oh, that was last week right and so still riding the high breaking. from that certainly as well yeah breaking news for this being our debut show for bgn radio i feel that we should let the gentle listeners know what is on the agenda for this week the off season has begun and as such we have a full breakdown of what to look for and what to expect from a personnel and front office standpoint today we will be covering the players that the eagles are able to or not able to bring back to the team in the resigning phase there will be two more shows 
shows this week, with the first being the free agency period. We'll highlight potential targets, fits, and how those targets will affect our wallet regarding the cap situation. The last show this week will leverage the information of which we spoke to provide a better idea of what scenarios the Eagles could be facing coming into the draft. Ben and I are both working on draft guides with myself working for Inside the Pylon, cross-checking wide receivers, plus my general draft work. And Ben does much more extensive work at NDTscouting.com, and he has been covering it year-round, so he has a tremendous grasp on a bevy of these prospects. We were in mobile this year to check out the Senior Bowl prospects live, which was a great experience, and we hope the knowledge and understanding of the process will get you more prepared for the actual draft, which, from the looks of it, Ben and I will be attending squatted up in our Eagles gear with the rest of Bleeding Green Nation, ready to invade Jerry World. Before we dig into the offseason, we're going to go to our newest segment, While You Were Blacked Out. So while you were rightfully enjoying the Eagles' Super Bowl win and the incredible parade, there were still things happening around this organization. And to do this offseason right, we have to catch you up on what has already occurred while you've been working that hangover off first. The Eagles signed former practice squad tight end Billy Brown to a contract in anticipation or a possible anticipation of some turnover at the tight end position. Brown is 6'4", 255, was undrafted out of Shepard. He was unable to crack the roster, but this could be the year we see more of him. Also signed were other practice squad players from last year, wide receivers Bryce Treggs, Greg Ward, and Rashard Davis, offensive guard Daryl Green, cornerback DJ Killings, and safety Trey Sullivan. Ben, I know the deepest part of your brand is converted Houston quarterback Greg Ward as a wide receiver. Yeah. Is that the most intriguing name for you here? Uh, Probably it's going to be Brown, the kid out of Mm. Shepard, that tight end, because he was interesting from the jump last year. He was a priority free agent for a lot of teams, Philadelphia he was fortunate to land him fortunate to get him on the practice squad he's a very interesting guy because you uh you know you're bringing out a kid from Shepard I believe it's a d2 school if memory serves just a, a lot of rawness to him but he's huge right which really you, you know you love to see that physical profile and then he was involved I believe it was in the shrine game and so he was able to get in front of all NFL teams you know he's a guy who needs to work on his cash technique and his drops you know whatever he needs to work on his routes but when you're that big you have a niche you know you can be used in the red zone as a jump ball guy you can become a powerful blocker if you work the correct tech technique the the reason he interests me is because these practice squad guys you have to be able to strike while the iron is hot in terms of opportunity the eagles have marcus johnson texas wide receiver currently on the roster right he's a second year player and he was very fortunate to be on the practice squad bubble roster practice squad bubble while the eagles were very very thin at wide receiver and he was able to make some noise for himself right we saw that year one into year two brown's going to be in a very similar situation because it's very likely that third string tight end trey burton who's a free agent this year is likely going to go make some significant money elsewhere he's a talent he's got good receiving skills that's valued in today's nfl and philadelphia does not have the cap room to pay burton and then uh second string tight end brent selick who's now approaching 33 34 years of age mike he's a guy uh, set to make five million Uh, this is the last year of his contract. Four million of that could be saved if Philadelphia were to cut him. I don't anticipate them cutting him right away because Brent Selig is the longest tenured Philadelphia Eagle. You know, he's a wonderful, wonderful guy. We have great respect for him. They might ask him to restructure. But Brent Selig is a guy that you could potentially see moved because Philadelphia needs cap room. All of a sudden, you had Zach Ertz. Billy Brown would be tight end two. You know, in the event the Eagles don't add anybody, which they certainly would. But Philadelphia definitely wants to carry three tight ends. They certainly do. Doug Peterson loves to have that versatility, being able to work 12, 13 personnel into his play calls. And Brown, like I said, has a skill set. So he's the guy who interests me the most. But 
I do appreciate you giving me a shout out for Greg Ward. Greg Ward used to be a quarterback yeah. out of Houston, right? And you you, you hear, uh, if you follow the draft college football, you hear about Lamar Jackson, this quarterback out of Louisville. People want to convert to a wide receiver because he's a great athlete. Greg Ward actually did make that conversion because Greg Ward wasn't nearly half the thrower that Lamar Jackson is. And Ward has been transitioning to wide receiver. There's been a lot of promise. He's a fantastic athlete. I'll be really interested to see what his body type is coming into 2018 uh, into camp, how much mass he's added, what he looks like as he has lean as he was. And hey, listen, like I said, fantastic athlete. There's a space at return man for him if he's able to carve that out as well. So Greg Ward is an interesting guy also. And going back to the tight ends real quick, the Eagles used 12 and 13 personnel combined 34% of their offensive play so that's going to be a situation worth monitoring. That's significant. Yeah. Like I don't have the numbers, you know, for the other teams, but I would say that that's pretty significant. A lot of teams can't field three tight so, ends the way Philadelphia could, right? You can't field three. Yeah, teams. it's well above league average. Okay, keeping in line with while you were blacked out in regard to the coaching situation, there's been a lot of movement. You've got John DiFilippo moving to the Minnesota Vikings as the offensive coordinator, and it's now being said that offensive coordinator for the Eagles, Frank Reich, is official for the Indianapolis Colts head coach position. Ben, the impact of this is interesting because you've got possibly two offensive minds gone from the team that had integral roles in game plan construction, whether it be third down offense and in between the 20s like Frank Reich had or the red zone offense like with Flip. And then there's the question of Jim Schwartz's future on the other side of the ball. Additionally, it's my understanding that wide receiver coach Mike Groh will potentially move up to quarterbacks coach with Press Taylor being bumped to wide receiver coach. Running backs coach Deuce Staley could interview with the New York Giants for their vacant offensive coordinator spot. The Giants recently lost out on Minnesota Vikings quarterback coach Kevin Stefanski after the Vikings blocked the Giants from interviewing him. The Eagles have the power to block Staley's interview with the Giants if they so choose, and it's being rumored Mm -hmm. that they have already done so. We will keep you updated on that situation. Ben, with so much upheaval among the coaching staff, I'm sure that there are those that are concerned about the negative impact uh, that the Eagles will have on this journey for back-to-back titles. But let's be clear on one thing. The straw that stirs the drink is Doug Peterson, and he's not going anywhere for a very long time. The concern for me, and I think I'm in lockstep with you on this, Ben, is the matter of finding other offensive minds that will click with Peterson as well as Flip and Reich did Would I be accurate in that assumption, Ben? Yeah, so I think that when you look, you know, okay, Peterson called the plays. And we know that that John DeFilippo, quarterback's coach, had a big touch in kind of the red zone coordinating. That was kind of his niche. And we know that Frank Reich was involved in third down play calling. And that even, you know, Doug Peterson called the plays. The most recent understanding we have of the system is Peterson called the plays to Reich. Reich communicated them to the quarterback so that Doug Peterson could be on different channels on his headset, so on and so forth. So, okay, Peterson's calling the plays. We know Peterson has a huge hand in designing the offense. What's the big deal if we lose our offensive coordinator? coordinator and even a quarterback's coach who had coordinating experience the way that John DeFilippo did. What it comes down to even beyond trust, even beyond continuity, is you are breaking down film with guys where there, there's there's an honesty there, there's an authenticity there, where like if somebody is wrong, you call them out, right? Not in a negative way, but there's a, there's the ability to you know know that all three of you are centered on one goal. It was winning the Lombardi Trophy. They did that, by the way, Mike. They won the Lombardi mm-hmm. Trophy. They won the Super Bowl. <laughs> anyway, you're all centered on that goal. It, it removes egos from the situation. There's no conflicting desires like oh we have to run my system and know this is the way that'll work and. This play will work in this situation. There's trust and it's like it's a deep trust, right? It's, it's a very good understanding, which allows you to bounce ideas off of each other, which gives, you know, guys the, the confidence and the job security to go out and try different things and, and to do 
do the best that they can at their jobs. Peterson needs to have guys, if he's going to continue to break down the insane quantity of film that they've broken down on the offensive side, if they're going to continue to to muster up an offense that evolves as often as Philadelphia's offense evolved this season, he needs guys that he, he trusts their judgment and they trust him and they work together as one unit aimed at one goal. You know, one of the things that I said, uh, DeFilippo leaves, Reich leaves, it's a shame that the Bears hired Matt Nagy the, the right. offensive coordinator out of Kansas City, not because Philadelphia would have brought Nagy on as a coordinator, but because Nagy has had the past two, three weeks to hire whatever assistance he wants out of KC. Peterson knows a lot of guys in Kansas City. I'm sure he would have loved, you know, uh, the Bears were able to bring on Brad Childress, right. bring him out of retirement. Peterson would have loved to have done that, right? And Childress, you're stepping into a cush gig there in Philadelphia. You just kind of keep the ship afloat, you know what I mean? And so it'll be very big. It'll be very interesting to see what Peterson does. The the, the current thought is there's that big uh, promotion from within. Mike Rowe, Deuce Staley, Press Taylor, these guys, which you hope that there is already a pre-existing relationship with which Doug Peterson feels comfortable. I think that Deuce Staley really has a lot of run as the offensive coordinator because he's so well-liked in that locker room. He is an ex-Philadelphia Eagle player. You watch him on the sidelines, like, you know, after the Eagles score, all the coaches but one do like, oh, fist bump, like, you know, hands up. <laughs> Deuce Staley's like chest bumping people, yeah. like smashing helmets. He's not even wearing one, right? He's crazy. So he's really loved there. I think he would be an excellent guy for offensive coordinator for the morale for, you you know, keeping uh, the, the the team unified really for that spirit aspect of things. You wonder how much he has as far as, you know, helping Peterson design the, the, the passing style of the offense, but it's all going to be about continuity. So very interesting to see if Peterson's willing to bring in a new body that he doesn't know as well. That's that's a huge thing to follow because that, that offensive nucleus, that offensive mind bank really needs to stay trustworthy. It needs to stay integrated. Yeah, and I think that's why you're seeing them rumored to be promoting from within already to keep some of that continuity, the rumor about them possibly blocking Deuce Daly from the interview with the Giants. So you still keep Deuce Daly, Mike Rowe, who moves up the quarterbacks, and then Press Taylor as yeah. well. If they block Deuce, they have to promote him to offensive coordinator. Because right. now they've interviewed him for head coach, and he didn't get it. Peterson got it, which questionable whether or not that was just the Rooney rule, but whatever. Uh, and then you're blocking it from the Giants. Staley was the offensive coordinator at not this past senior bowl, but the senior bowl previous position you work your guys to get them into those spots right mm. that doesn't happen by circumstance right staley is a guy who it's very well known across the league that he wants to work up he's not just an ex-running back who wants to work with running backs he wants to do more right and so if you're going to block him for potentially doing that you've got to give him something else so if they block him with the giants you can you can almost pen him in as offensive coordinator. Yeah, I definitely would agree there. Okay, moving on to the cap situation that Howie Roseman has to navigate throughout this offseason. Well reported that, you know, we're dead last in money to spend as it stands right now. I think we're $9.3 million over the projected cap. But you had put something on, uh, you put an article up on bleedinggreennation.com basically saying that we don't have to, there's no panic involved with this right now because of the 51-man rule, the top 51. Right now, we're filling mm -hmm. our roster out to that 90-man squad for the training camp. So can you kind of explain how that works as far as the timing of that? Absolutely. So there's a salary cap, right? Your own teams are only allowed to spend X amount of money. The problem is the salary cap is built for your 53-man roster. And up until the 53-man cuts, which happen uh, between the third and the fourth week of preseason, I believe is the new schedule. They've changed right. it up a little bit. Up to that point, you're carrying 90 people. And these 90 people, it's not like, you know, what number would it be? 37 of them have no contracts. They all have contracts with you. If you stay, you're, this is what you're going to get paid for playing the league year, so on and so forth. That money inherently 
goes over the salary cap. There's no way you can make 90 contracts fit where 53 should. And so to give teams a better understanding of how much money they have allocated, really you're only considered above the cap on the fit, the top 51 contracts you have by average value per year, right? And so what that does is it means that Philadelphia, it's not like they have to solve their cap problems tomorrow or like before the draft so they can sign all of their their draft players no they could be above the cap and go to the draft and sign all their players that's totally fine by the time they get to the the cuts 53 at the end of the preseason they've got to be able to cut down below the salary cap right so you know you you have to have a good idea as to who you're keeping who you're getting rid of who you're cutting right you can't just like go crazy then all of a sudden your top 53 players are above the salary cap now you got to ask one of them to take a pay cut you got to get rid of one of them you're screwed right and so you obviously have to still be aware of it but it's not like philadelphia's got to solve all these problems tomorrow that's the important thing to note beyond that and and, and this is crucial because every time we get into this season i always end up talking about these sort of things with people when it comes to to contract extensions and renegotiations and free agents cap is not inherently valuable by which i mean it is not good to have cap Hmm. it's good to have a good team it's good to have a super bowl winning team would you rather the eagles be in a great cap situation and have lost like the super bowl no you want them to win the super bowl and the fact that the eagles have the the lowest amount of cap space in the nfl sure it I'd ideally be like 25th, like, you know, 28th, whatever, like a little bit better. But the fact of the matter is they fielded the best team in the NFL and they won the Super Bowl, period, right? That's what they were supposed to do. Now you got to finagle the cap a little bit, keep your team still competitive. But spending money to bring in good players to win a Super Bowl is the way it's supposed to work, right? And so when Philadelphia goes and gives big extensions to people and they, they have to cut people, this is the nature of the game. They fielded the best team in the NFL. We do not need to be upset about the fact that they're not in a great cap situation. That was the goal the entire time. And part of the finagling the cap comes with getting rid of some of that cap. One of the easiest moves that you highlighted was punter Donnie Jones, who's 37 years old. He counts one. Dude, I got a lot of pushback on that, right? Like, really? That made, that's easy, right? That's an old punter. We've had a, we've had Cameron Johnston, who's been with us for two seasons mm. now, as a guy who clearly is the heir apparent. And Donnie Jones, I don't know if y'all missed this, didn't have as amazing of a year as he usually does. Like, like he didn't have as many, you know, downs within the five, downs within the 15. That just didn't happen as much. And 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 he's a punter making almost $2 million. You, you can sign Johnston and like by the time like everything evens out, you'll have saved a million. A million dollars is a million dollars, people. People are so mad at me that I want to cut Donnie Jones. <laughs> and I love Donnie Jones, but like let's be realistic, guys. Yeah, you have to be realistic in these situations and you have to make room. And one of those moves as well that where we could make room and probably going to receive less pushback on this because we have wide receiver Mac Hollins waiting in the wings is wide receiver Torrey Smith. He's $5 million we would save against the cap. There was zero dead money. By cutting Torrey Smith, would you anticipate the Eagles moving on from Smith, giving Hollins a more advanced role or possibly targeting the wide receiver in the draft as well? And then there's Shelton Gibson as well. He didn't have a great training camp. He contributed on special teams. I wasn't big on him coming into the draft. We'll see how he works out. But there are options for the Eagles outside of Torrey Smith, and that would save a lot of money. Right. I'll put it to you this way. Torrey Smith's contract, three years, he's making $5 million each year, right? Now, this past year, four and a half of that was guaranteed. He was going to stay on this roster, period. The next two years coming up, this approaching year and the following year, 
are no guaranteed money in either. Why does a player like Torrey Smith sign that contract? Because he's told, listen, this team could contend for a Super Bowl and you can be a big part of that, right? We're going to bring you in there. We're going to give you some guaranteed money right away. You are on this roster. We want to win a Super Bowl. Now, if we're close, but we don't make it, then we'll give you the $5 million. We'll keep you on the roster for one more year. We'll go win it that year, right? The the other the other side of the stick, when you pick up one end of the stick and pick up the other, is, listen, if we win a Super Bowl, you have no guaranteed money. You're a veteran wide receiver. And we might be in a situation. Yeah, exactly. Like, sorry, you we, we won the ring. You got the ring. We, we did what we agreed to. Torrey Smith has been a great guy. He's been active uh, in the locker room. He's been an excellent leader, you know, vocal about social justice. Stand-up dude, but he's likely moving on. And, and add in the fact that, you know, Smith was good insurance for if Aguilar didn't develop, if Mac Collins didn't look promising his first year. The, the Eagles have had good production from those young receivers. You can very comfortably, I think, go into the offseason with Jeffrey, Aguilar, and Mac Hollins as your starting three, as long as you like what you see from Marcus Johnson and Shelton Gibson. If you're still worried about Shelton Gibson, maybe you go, you get a, a cheap burner on the market, right? Just a guy who's got some great speed or something. You know, what do you need to do free agent wise? You know, maybe, maybe wide receiver needs a little bit more help, but it's nothing serious. Maybe you invest a mid round pick. The fact of the matter is nothing that would have helped Torrey Smith stay happened. The Eagles signed a bunch of extensions, which took up cap. They won a Super Bowl and Nelson Aguilar is playing really well. Those three things all point to Torrey Smith being out the door. The other way we can save money, of course, and Philadelphia loves this guy. I love him too. Tight end Brent Selleck, who's going to be 34 coming into next season. And over the past two seasons has not received over 25 targets, seeing reduced playing time. I think he may be content with his Super Bowl ring. Who knows? Maybe he comes back to get another one and maybe we restructure him. But without his contract, if we cut him, it's $4 million in cap savings. That would be another spot to look as well. But that also speaks to why Billy Brown is getting signed and he might be someone that gets more playing time and tight end might be a position of need as we enter the draft. So we can utilize those 12 and 13 personnel sets that the Eagles rely on well above league average. Ben, do you think Selleck, this is all conjecture at this point. Do you think he retires? What do you think that situation is going to look like? If I'm wearing the GM hat, I'm going to Selleck. I'm saying, listen, I want you to play as an Eagle for the rest of your life. That's what right. I want. Right. right. But the the way Ertz has developed, the way Ertz is playing, we, we can't be spending five million dollars on a tight end two who's thirty four years old. Like that just doesn't make sense for our cap situation. I would love to restructure your contract, Brent. I'd love to take your, your five million number, I'd like to spread it out over two years, give you three million this year, three million next year, a little signing bonus, you know, maybe a roster bonus for next year. And then I want you to be able to retire. If you feel like you want to retire, we're gonna retire you. It's gonna be amazing. We'll throw a big party for you. I do not want, Brent, here's what I don't want. I don't want to have to cut you and put a 33-year-old tight end who's only played one place on the market because nobody's going to really want Brent Selleck. Right. He's athletically limited. He's not more of a pass catcher. He's more of a blocker. Like maybe if Mike Malarkey were still the head coach in Tennessee, he'd be like, whoa, that's exactly my sort of guy. But Malarkey is gone for a reason, right? And so, you know, you don't want to – it's tough to be blunt with a guy like that, especially a guy as respected as Brent Selleck. But you, you go to him and you say, I want to restructure. I want to keep you here. But if you try to keep the $5 million cap number on me and I'm stuck in this cap situation, it makes sense for me to cut you. And I don't want you to end your Eagles mm. – tenure, your Eagles legacy, winning the Super Bowl, and then go being the third string tight end for the Arizona Cardinals, right? Like I, that, that, that's just, that doesn't sit well with me. So I, Brent Selleck is, is the big target, in my opinion, for a restructure. Obviously it'd be a, a smaller restructure because he's a smaller contract. You also might go to Jason Peters for a restructure, but I don't really see that happening uh, in, in, in Jason Peters' situation. Lane, you so recently signed Lane Johnson to an extension. Right. Fletcher Cox is the only guy I could potentially see it happening with, simply because you can go to him and say, listen, we just signed Jernigan to an insane amount of money. We want to extend Brandon Graham, 
right? That's what we want to do. Because Brandon Graham is a free agent, remember, after this upcoming season, Mike. So you go to, you go to Fletch, you say, listen, the guy on your right, I just signed him through 2021. The guy on your left, I want to sign him through 2022. I need cap room. If you want to play on a defensive line that's that consistently dominant, work with me. It's going to go right back into the D-line, right? So it's going to go right back into your positional group, right? It's not like I'm like trying to go get a better wide receiver or something. Yeah. I just want to keep on this front four being as solid as possible. So Fletch is the guy who maybe gets that restructure. Going back to the offense real quick before we look at the defensive side of the ball, what that may look for the Eagles moving forward. Jason Peters, you lose more cap in cutting Jason Peters than you save. It makes zero cents to cut him just to put that out there because Jason Peters by all reports says that he wants to come back which is fantastic who knows how much left he has how long he can stay healthy hopefully it's for the whole season because if so he was playing like one of the best left tackles in the in the game last year before he went down and it also buys us time from a draft perspective where we're not in a position to get a top two top three offensive tackle in the draft buys us time to develop guys under him Halipulivati Vaitai you know his play is up and down he wasn't much of a factor in the playoffs but we did a good job supporting him as well it's nice to have peters back he's going to be back with us and i look forward to that man he's like the the heart of that offensive line i love that guy yeah now moving to the defensive side of the ball you look at linebacker nigel bradham and then linebacker Michael Kendricks, linebacker for us, kind of like the tight end situation on the other side of the ball, could get very sticky. Uh, Kendricks, if you cut him, it's $3.2 million dead, but $4.4 million saved. He played well this year. He played really well this year. It was a return to form for him. He contributed on the nickel defense, so you don't have to take him off the field. And with the depth behind him, I would like to keep him. And then even going into next year, as you pointed out in your article, if we keep him this year and then next year we need the cap room, we save $7 million next year, only $1.6 million in dead money there as well. Bradham is an interesting case because the money he may price himself out of Philadelphia. Uh, it may be a situation where he wants to stay and play for Schwartz if Schwartz stays with us. However, there are only 11 linebackers, off-ball linebackers that are making more than $4 million per year. I think Bradham will price himself in that area. And it'll be interesting to see what that looks like, whether it be five or six million dollars. And if we think it's financially responsible to bring him back, I love Bradham. I, I think he's going right. to be a key piece of this defense if we're able to keep him. And he was this year for sure with all the depth pieces, you know, around him being lost for the season. Jordan Hicks going down. Obviously we get him back this year, but he hasn't really been healthy for a full season for us and it wasn't in college either. And then you look at, you know, Najee Good, who may or may not be back. Same with Joe Walker. It's, it's a weird situation. What do you think about Bradham as far as what he might demand? And if ultimately he's an eagle in 2018? Yeah. So Bradham's the white whale. You know, it'd be cool to keep Burton. I'm sure we're going to talk about Patrick Robinson, nickel cornerback, who's right. another free agent. You know, you got Darren Sproles, the Garrett Blunt, two running backs who are both free agents, but they're kind of both, you know, reaching the end of their career. I don't really see them as priorities. Bradham is the one, right? You, you hear this stat, oh, the Eagles have 20 of their 22 starters signed in 2018, 2019 already. The two that are missing are Patrick Robinson and Bradham. P-Rob, nickel corner, you've got some good corner depth behind him. I think you can let him go. Bradham, you're at a point where Jordan Hicks, is going to be a free agent after twenty the 2018-2019 season. And how comfortable are you getting 10 games a season out of Hicks? It's so rough. Michael Kendricks is going to be a guy that I think Philadelphia dangles on the trade market yet again. But for the entire 
time they've been trying to trade Kendricks, the, the pitch has been, listen, he can be something different. He can be a lot better than he's playing in our system. Let him play downhill, right? He can be, you know, the, this great blitzing linebacker. He's decent in coverage. We finally saw it this year. And so I think right. he goes back on the trade market with now saying, look, that's what you can get consistently if you deploy him better than we deploy him because we play him, you know, 4-3 will. He gets beat up a little bit too often. He can't take on polars too well. If you get him maybe more into a Sam situation, if you get him into like a more of a three, four, you send him to, I don't know, Kansas city or something like that, right. you know, then you're in a better situation for Kendricks. So Kendricks future will always be in flux a little bit from what I, from what I see. So Bradham is a guy you really want to ink. Now he's going to turn 29. So he's in a, he's in a tricky spot because you're going to be signing him into his early thirties. Here's the issue with the Bradham contract. Bradham's really kind of got Roseman in a pinch here. Roseman signed Kendricks to $7.25 million per year. Right four years right now Kendricks was was significantly younger than Bradham at this time for sure but you're gonna really struggle to look Bradham in the eye when it's come to negotiation time and say to him listen we value you less than Michael Kendricks because Bradham has played better than Michael Kendricks every year that Bradham has been here it's gonna be very hard to give Bradham significantly less than seven million per year I think that Philadelphia will struggle to do that I really do if they cannot get him around 6.5 million per year that'd be exceptional Right. Right. That'd be really, really wonderful. Now, Philadelphia, Bradham also has a little bit of a hold on Philadelphia because he can say, listen, I won't demand a big cap number my first one or two years. I'll give you guys a little bit of space because you guys are in a tricky situation, but you got to backload it for me. And if you backload a contract for a guy who's going to turn 31, 32 and his play goes down the cliff, you can't do much about that, Mike, because you had to backload his contract, right? So it's going to be very interesting. What's Roseman going to prioritize? Trying to get a lower cap number overall, but taking too much of the cap this year where he's in a tricky spot, or is he going to be willing to backload it and, 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 and tie himself to a linebacker? who's going to enter his early 30s when he still could very well end up keeping Hicks and keeping Kendricks. Now you're pulling a lot of money into one position. See the conundrum. So it's very interesting to see what happens to Bradham. I anticipate Philadelphia will try very hard to sign Bradham. I think the only reason we didn't see him as a in-season extension, which we saw with guys like, you know, Alshon Jeffrey, we saw with Timmy Jernigan, is because so much about Jordan Hicks's recovery is relevant to Bradham's deal. So with every day that you become more aware of how well Hicks is recovering, it becomes easier to negotiate with Bradham. I think that's why they're slow playing this. Obviously, they need the cap space as well. I think they'll push hard. If you sign him, I'm guessing it's around four years, seven million per. That's Mm. what I guess, because Bradham's got him by the throat a little bit if they want to keep him. And if they let him go, then I'm still very much in the camp for offensive tackles, the pick at 32 overall, but you've got to start considering linebacker very heavily if Nigel Bradham leaves. Definitely agree, and that's that's a hefty sum. Like I said, only 11 off-ball linebackers over $4 million per year. That $7 million figure is big. It's true, but Mike, this is a passing league, and I can name for you maybe one linebacker who's better in man covers than Nigel Bradham. Oh, yeah. I am 100% for bringing yeah. Bradham back. It's just, yeah, it's, it's a hefty sum for, for sure. One guy that we have signed this year, but might be willing to move via trade or otherwise is defensive end Vinnie Curry, who is part of the rotation with Derek Barnett, Brandon Graham, and Chris Long. We would say $5 million against the cap by cutting him or trading him. And then $6 million would be the dead cap for him. Only three sacks this year. However, he was accredited with, I think, 37 pressures as well. He's a very integral part of that defensive line rotation to keep guys fresh, to keep their motors going. 
I thought Vinny Curry had one of his better years as a pro for us, but that contract is gigantic for the snaps that we get for him, for the production that we get from him. I could see them trying to move him via trade and then maybe try to bring up somebody as as another guy in that rotation. What do you think? What it looks like from when I look at the contract is you would save, kill $5 million and save $6 million by cutting him. It's arguable that if you pull it like as a post-June 1st designation, you save $9 million and only kill mm. two. This is something that I've heard, but I've not been able to confirm. Right. And so if that's the case, this is not a conversation. Yeah. You see if you can trade Curry to somebody. You see sure. if somebody is, is urgent enough at getting Vinny Curry that they'll like move a late round pick for him just to get first dibs. And if not, you cut him and you designate him post June first. Important to note, you can cut a guy whenever you want and designate him as post June first. You won't get the money until get this after June first. But you, you can cut him earlier designated post June 1st and that's like a that that'll get you good favor with the players because you're basically saying listen we're not going to get your money till June but we're going to cut you in April to give you more time to find a team Right. If we wait until after June, teams have already started planning for next season. Maybe they one or two more teams don't need a defensive end anymore. Right. So you would designate him as a post June first cut in that case. Beyond that, yeah, Benny Curry, I think, is the major trade bait for Philadelphia. Philadelphia is not going to be able to demand too high of a price for him because teams know that they're going to cut Curry eventually. If it's not this season, then it's next season. Right. They know that, you know, teams know that they already have the long term plan behind Benny Curry as far as Derek Barnett goes. Right. And so the Eagles don't have a lot of, you know, negotiating power there. But at the same time, yeah, Curry is a guy who is a good pass rusher, Mike. He is a good pass rusher. He is disruptive. He is explosive. These are good traits that teams want. And so do I think a team is trading for Vinny Curry to go be their starting left end and they're going to give him a significant contract? Not really. But if you're a team like you know that's got two solid uh, starting ends and you want a little bit more of a push behind them, you want a strong third end, right? And you have big cap room. I'm thinking about like a Cleveland, Mike. I'm thinking about a team like a San Francisco. Okay, you just want a guy who sure, maybe he costs too much, but he can give you juice in third down situations rushing situations I'd be calling Philadelphia for Vinnie Curry I don't think you have to offer a huge amount I think Philadelphia would move him for a mid-round pick I think especially Philadelphia would move him for like a fourth yeah. you know an, a conditional fourth right an early fifth maybe that's a little cheap because we know that Roseman will take that and just try to parlay it into a second yeah. right Roseman's not afraid of, of taking pick 130 because he has his eyes set on pick 56 Yep. You know, he he's thinking three steps ahead. So I think you could get a deal done there. Again, I think it's going to be tough to sell Curry as a starting end for teams. But if a team is looking for just extra juice and they have a ton of cap room, why not spend on a guy who's only got two years left on his contract? Then you see if you want to keep him. It, it's a low risk situation if you've got a treasure chest full of cap room. <laughs> and there are teams that are like that in the NFL. So, yeah, I think Philadelphia will be able to get some calls. We'll see if a deal can be made. Yeah, and part of managing the cap, too, is getting those picks to where you can get young players under contract where maybe you move up, get that second round pick, get somebody that can contribute fairly early in their contract as well. And that helps you relieve stress on the cap. Exactly. And the elephant in the room when it comes to that, before we, before we get to the elephant in the room, there's one more. Bo Allen. Defensive line, part of that interior rotation. Do you think he stays? Do you think he goes? I always forget about Bo Allen because to me, Bo Allen leaving isn't too much of a – that's not hard. Bo Allen should make more money than Philadelphia could offer him. Mm. Bo Allen will receive good offers from teams who will deploy him a little bit differently than he was deployed in Philadelphia. You should let Bo Allen two-gap more. And then Elijah Qualls, sixth-round pick out of Washington behind him, is a good player. I really liked Elijah Qualls. He was a borderline top 100 player for me. I'm like, that's a round three pick. Good in the preseason. I liked what I saw from him. 
He was, he was, you know, on and off the active squad. Uh, you know, he's a rookie. They didn't really need the depth they had it there. Destiny Vale is a guy who's been here for a couple of years. He's a solid depth piece. Philadelphia's good at the defensive tackle depth. I think that Qualls will be able to be a good third DT for them. So Bo Allen is an easy. Thank you so much. You've been a good contributor. Go make money somewhere else. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. Nick Foles. $7.6 million against the cap, $3 million ro- roster bonus due on March 18th. I believe, it's my personal belief, and I know John Barchard views it differently, which is fine, but my belief is that trading Nick Foles is directly tied to the recovery of Carson Wentz. We won't know more about the recovery of Carson Wentz deep into the summer. Teams that trade for a quarterback want that quarterback in their building for OTAs, for training camp, to get all the installs in. However, For a Super Bowl MVP, his stock could not be higher than right now. And and really, when you look at it, okay, so Carson Wentz and Nick Foles combined, that's about $15 million against the cap. That's a lot better than a a lot of other teams. And you're talking about, you know, a quarterback that won a Super Bowl. However, if you can, again, relieve some of that stress against the cap by recouping some value from Nick Foles, I mean, do, do you move on from him? After he won you a Super Bowl, it's a it's a very delicate situation. And if Nick Foles wants to go start somewhere, do you grant him that opportunity by trading them? Is it doing him a favor as as opposed to as opposed to how some people see it as you know kind of kicking him to the curb? I don't think it's that type of situation. But if Nick Foles wants to go compete somewhere, then then maybe it'll be more likely that we trade him by time of the draft. So for you, like you know, it's a it's a delicate situation. It's tied to Carson Wentz's recovery. To me, it's very cut and dry. <laughs> if Nick Foles is okay with being traded, I am trading Nick Foles in a heartbeat. All 32 teams in the NFL die yearly. They kill each other. They claw over each other without like you know any sort of semblance of respect or decor. Looking for the Golden Goose, Mike, and the Golden Goose is a franchise quarterback. Philadelphia can sell at least a few teams on the fact that they currently have two Golden Geese. Right. We have two. We have a franchise quarterback, and then we have a franchise quarterback a slightly older a little bit more putsy looking super bowl mvp winning franchise quarterback you don't not at least field calls very seriously about trading him there's no way to me with with the gm that the philadelphia eagles have i would be shocked if nick Foles is on the roster in april i would be shocked now maybe he's still on the roster in april may june because you're waiting you know to trade him after after the uh, after the draft see which teams fail to get their quarterback you know maybe they have different plans or whatever but remember nick Foles is a three million dollar roster bonus that's due on march 18th fourth day of the league year mike so if philadelphia can move him before march 18th that's $3 million that they open up on the cap. Mm. If they trade him anytime afterward, that's three another $3 million dead, and they're not in a good cap situation. Right. So to me, unless you, you know, Wentz incurs a significant setback, God forbid, within the next month and a week, then you're trading Nick Foles before March 18th right. unquestionably. And Nick Foles, you should be able to get a pick, in my opinion, between 30 and 50. You're looking at the Jaguars, really, as far as right. the first place he could go. So I love the idea of the Jaguars pick at 29. From what I understand, even though the Jaguars are still working around the contract the contract of Blake Bortles, and they still are looking around at quarterbacks who might be available, from what I'm hearing from Jacksonville, they're not interested in Nick Foles. Okay. Nick Foles is not a guy that they've liked when they did free agent evaluations a couple years ago. Nick Foles is just not somebody they like in the building. So the Jaguars, I, I don't get it. How would you not want to improve? 
improve over Blake Bortles, but whatever. I do honestly think that the Vikings situation does have a little bit of run to it. That could get gassed a little bit in the national media, but that's still got run. Nick Foles played at the University of Arizona, Mike. I think that Arizona is a very strong case for Nick Foles to go there. That is a long-term rebuild. If you do not feel like you can move up and go get your top quarterback, because so many teams in the top six need a quarterback, then go bring in Nick Foles for a few years. Have him bridge. See if he can be your franchise guy. Get some other strong pieces on offense. Get some youth up in there. And then if he turns out not to be a franchise guy, then you can go draft the dude. I think Buffalo could be interested in Nick Foles. Absolutely, I do. I think teams like Denver could be interested in Nick Foles. I think the Jets. I think you can sell Nick Foles very hard. If you play this right, you can drum up his value high enough that it would be so dumb to not try to trade him. Absolutely, you're going to work with him, right? If he's like, yeah, I'd like to go start somewhere. Don't trade me to Cleveland, then you don't trade him to Cleveland. Right. And if he's like, you know, I would love to like talk with Arizona because I grew up there or whatever, I went to school there, then you go and you try to work with Arizona. You absolutely treat the man who brought Lombardi to Philadelphia with dignity and respect. And if he says, I want to stay in Philadelphia, I don't want to start anywhere, then you say, okay, we're going to have to work on your contract because it's done after this year. But as long as he's slightly open to the idea of being traded, hmm. absolutely start drumming up the market immediately. You tell everybody you've got deals from everybody else. You bring up Super Bowl MVP about 100,000 times, and you tell everybody that Carson Wentz is going to be healthy by week one of last year. I don't care what you say. You you have the golden goose. And you, if you can go get an early second from Nick Foles, are you kidding me? Yes. <laughs> This is the guy that carved up the most historic third down defense in NFL history since they've been tracking the stats since 1975. Nick Foles taking it to the Vikings, taking it to the Patriots. Like we have plenty of time to talk about this either way. Put a statue up of the man. Ben. What else do we have for the gentle, gentle listeners? What's good, gentle listeners? Uh, you've been listening to the Kissed and Solak Show on Bleeding Green Nation Radio, episode 301. Thank you so much for tuning in for the inaugural episode. We do appreciate it greatly. Over the rest of the week, we want to keep getting you ready for the offseason. Don't worry. We're very excited about the Super Bowl win. We're going to talk about it, oh, at every given opportunity. <laughs> but Mike and I, extensive uh, work in the draft, extensive work in offseason player evaluation. This is kind of our wheelhouse. We're very excited to be bringing it to BGN Radio, and we want to be able to share that with you. So for the rest of the week, be looking out for podcasts on Wednesday and on Friday, continuing to break down the free agent class that's available as a whole in the NFL, who Philadelphia might target with their limited cap space, and then moving on to potentially the draft as well, what positions Philadelphia might target mike and i will get as deep into this draft class from a philadelphia eagles perspective as you can find anywhere period we're ready to put that up against anybody else like mike alluded to this is work that it's not like we just started doing it now that it's the off season we've been working on the draft since week one of the college football season since before week one of the college football season so we like to think we know our ins and outs we hope that you will think so too thank you so much for swinging by we hope that you stick around thanks for listening we all we got we all we need fly eagles fly Stretch your hand and I'ma chop it off I dare you ask for a favor From your boss's boss Shrimp, scampi, angel head noodles White wine sauce Rwanda and a Ross Reload the Nina Ross Settle metal when I'm focused on the green Dinero Hocus pocus, Gucci loafers, cake with bacon soda Cake for soldiers moving weight from Maine to Nova Scotia Bang revolvers, problem solvers, that pain the mothers Lost a child, clips from play when they hear the loud Nightmares, walking dead cause they sleep dead You either sheep or shit, be scared and cut to pieces I lust for custom coops with the honey mustard features Butterfly doors, a whore that makes wine or sober Her beauty stunning, plus she funny, that's the proper order Head nods and cat calls cause it's pops in order Yeah, I'm stuntin' all the world is my stage show Dallas streets cruising around about four